0: Need I tell you that over the past seven or eight months here in our nation, there has been a heightened sense of insecurity and uncertainty, we're all aware of that, and an abundance of misinformation and a serious loss of trust on some uh, fronts and much too much hyped up emotion, but most of all, a lot of unnecessary fear and a whole lot of anger. Let me ask you, have you, <laughs> have you ever been angry? And well, let me ask further, can a Christian be angry? Or is anger a sin? Well, those are all good questions, so let's see what the Scriptures say about this subject, the subject of anger. I want to read verses 25 to 32 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, and let's kind of look at it together now, starting at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me also go on and read just three of those verses uh, from the message, which further seem to illustrate what I want to say today. Uh, Starting again at verse 25, what this adds up to then is this, no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. And when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry and don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. I'm going to step out here and I'm going to begin by saying anger is something that every one of us deals with. Uh, Please don't get angry with me for saying that. And, And we all deal with anger in different ways. Some are... Some are screamers, some keep a very stoic face, some give the silent treatment, but you can take this to the bank, every one of us gets angry at times. Here's a good quote, easy to remember too, when you let anger get the best of you, it brings out the worst in you. Everybody gets angry. So what are we supposed to do? Is it possible then to be a Christian and still get angry? I mean, how can we possibly honor Jesus in our anger? Well, thankfully God answers these good questions through the writings of Paul, and he tells us to use our anger for good, to deal with it quickly, and to learn to let some things go. A message then this day entitled, The Sun is Setting. I want to share with you a few very wise ideas from this fourth chapter of Ephesians. And the very first is, found in Ephesians 4, 26, that first part, use your anger for good. Now maybe that point sounds kind of strange to you, and maybe you're thinking, well, why would a preacher start a message on on a theme like this, and then give us that as point one? Well, you know, some folks believe that anger by nature is sinful in and of itself. So how could you ever use your anger for good? Yet verse 26 of our text chapter tells us that anger itself is not a sin. See, it says, in your anger, do not sin. So by that statement alone, you can be in a state of anger and not be sinning. After all, Jesus got angry. Now, the biblical writers had the same hang ups about anger that we do today, I believe. I find it very interesting, though, that only one of the gospel writers was courageous enough to say at one point that Jesus got angry. Anybody remember what occasion that was? And I can almost uh, hear the responses when I ask that question. Because the majority of people th- would be thinking of the time over in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, and in that area. When Jesus knocked over the tables of the money changers in the temple court and he drove out all the animals and he was, as we would say in today's vernacular, pretty ticked that people were being cheated and they were being swindled in in the very act of worship while they were going there to worship God. And Jesus certainly could have been angry there, but the scripture could describe him then as being angry and it doesn't. It Could have said he was full of zeal, but it doesn't. But the writers never called it anger. Now, so that you'll know something that your friends might not, the only time Scripture records that Jesus got angry was when he was staring down those prideful Pharisees who preferred keeping their man-made rules about the Sabbath and all that goes with it ahead of seeing a man healed of his withered hand. Ah, brave Mark, he called it like it is. Jesus was angry. Mark 3, verse 5. Mark 3, verse 5. Get that one in your notes. So if Jesus got angry, then you know it is not a sin to be angry because Scripture also says Jesus never sinned. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he knew no sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he did no sin. Now let's just appeal to common sense. And as old Vance Havner used to say, I don't know why they call it common, so few people use it. But common sense says it's okay to be angry. Some things ought to make you angry. Some things make me angry. You should be angry when someone is discriminated against, no reason, no justification, just plain discrimination. You should be angry, and we all should, I believe, that our Christian brothers and sisters by the hundreds of thousands, probably by the millions, are being imprisoned and tortured and even murdered in some countries around the globe. You should be angry whenever someone gets r- raped or murdered or, or, or hurt uh, unjustly. You, you should be angry whenever another baby's life is snuffed out by abortion. You should be angry when a <coughs> one of our veterans commits suicide because he can't stand that, that depression that he's in. Some things ought to make you angry, and some things will make you angry that might not make me angry, and some things make me angry that you might not even consider being angry. But if you never get angry, all I'm going to say is, check your pulse. Yet, in your anger, do not sin. Use your anger for good, not for evil. Therapist Mark Epstein says, and I quote, anger is a sign that something needs to change. So use your anger for constructive purposes, not destructive ones. Someone once said, explain your anger. Don't express it. And you will immediately open the door to solutions instead of arguments. James urges us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's why. He says, because human anger does not and will not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. So I say choose to build constructively with your anger, not to tear it not to tear someone, not to tear some friend or some relative or somebody down. Look for a solution. Make your world a better place. Make that sphere of influence that you live in a better place. Speak the truth in love, not in hate. Take a stand when you ought to, but do it with careful humility and not careless pride. So use your anger for good. Ah, the sun is setting. Secondly, deal with your anger quickly. And again, the second half of verse 26 and Ephesians 4, verse 27, the last part of those verses read, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, if you nurse that anger past sunset, you very likely might move into the verse 31 kind of things that are mentioned here in chapter 4 of Ephesians, like bitterness and rage and who knows what. And guess what, my friend? Your body is not designed for that. God did not create you, and he did not create me to carry bitterness and resentment and rage forever. Ever heard of psychosomatic illness? Uh, It's kind of the mind over matter type thing. Your rage will show up in other ways besides anger and rage, ways like ulcers, ways like migraines, ways like insomnia, and there's a list of others. Or we displace our unresolved anger on innocent other people, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a friend, maybe a parent or a grandparent. All right, they're easy targets, aren't they? Huh? And our anger will grow. You see, if not checked, it will grow larger because what we've done, Paul says, is we've already given the Holy Spirit uh, uh, a challenge because Satan now has a foothold. And Christian, you see, our body houses the Holy Spirit But when we let Satan in and let the anger last longer than a night, we are opening up vast opportunities for the devil to work in us. I was reading recently some works by Dr. Craig Nelson, and I wanted to ask you before I read some of his work, have you ever heard of stress Well, in a Harris poll taken for the American Psychiatric Association, it was discovered that 81% of women say they manage stress extremely or somewhat well. Yet in actuality, 82% of the women polled experience physical symptoms of stress. Various sources have estimated that up to 75% of all visits, men and women, to physicians' offices are stress-related. Most people experience physical or emotional stress on a daily basis. You just can't escape it sometimes from the normal pressure of meeting deadlines and driving to work and being a parent and getting to the soccer game on time and just making ends meet, just living life when there's an immediate, dangerous, or lingering threat like a global pandemic, perhaps, then that is a threat to the body and it will react with a fight or flight or what's called an acute stress response to protect itself, and that can last anywhere from minutes to hours, honestly, to days. Now, along with depression, worry, and anxiety, Anger is one of the most complex emotions a human being can experience. Left unchecked, it can turn to bitterness and hatred that can significantly harm the person experiencing it. Feeling anger, it's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. But it is rather a natural reaction that occurs whenever a person's self-esteem or self-respect is hurt, damaged, or threatened. Anger is a sign that a person is alive. <laughs> Hate, on the other hand, is a sign that one is sick and in need of healing. Healthy anger can drive them, that person to do something to change what makes him angry. It can actually help to make things better. I'm going to repeat that. It can actually help to make things better. Now the main difference between hate and anger is that hate does not want to change things for the best. It just wants to make things worse. Anger can mask feelings of helplessness, disappointment, insecurity, grief, and even fear. Some people fear the possible consequences of revealing how they really feel. Anger is a powerful, powerful emotion that can consume a person's energy. Anger is something that can't be avoided, but it's something that can be controlled. That bears repeating, doesn't it? Anger is something that can't be avoided, but it is something that can be controlled. When it rears its ugly head, it can be expressed openly and directly Or it might be kept hidden inside, expressing itself as resentment. Have you ever heard of positive or righteous indignation? See, indignation is anger that rises up as a result of seeing someone or something of importance, or importance to you at least, being mistreated or suffering terrible injustice indignation anger is free from rage, resentment, or retaliation. It is healthy anger that is aimed at the problem. It's not aimed at the person. It's anger for the right reason. It's expressed in the right way. It's a controlled anger that is meant to be corrective and constructive only. However, repressed anger, that is not controlled that is not taken care of that is not being dealt with that kind of anger can turn into rage and into wrath because it wants to retaliate in revenge for some wrong that's been done or some pain that's been suffered anger that is not dealt with will consume time and energy As the painful experiences are mulled over and fumed over in the mind and holding on to anger makes it impossible to forgive people who caused the hurt in the first place even if they have shown remorse and change and want to reconcile. Listen to this little analysis. Beloved, beneath every behavior there is a feeling. People say, well, I work off my feelings. Well, feelings are real. We mustn't deny them. Every behavior has behind it or beneath it a feeling. And beneath every feeling, there's a need. And when we meet that need, rather than focusing all the time on the behavior, we begin to deal with the cause and not just the symptom that's going on. Unresolved anger is undoubtedly what Jesus had in mind when he said, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. This is Matthew chapter five, verse 22. And again, he said, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. You see, Jesus spoke in strong language that betrays an unforgiving heart. He disturbingly portrayed unresolved anger as mental murder. You're only hurting yourself. You're only robbing from yourself. You're only affecting yourself on a long-term basis. Now, you won't always be able to resolve everything literally before sunset today, I understand that. But what you can do is to resolve, to resolve it. You see, if you are angry with your spouse, with your friend, with your children, your child, a coworker, a boss, at least you can admit it and then plan together to talk it through say the next day or the next time you are face to face. By then, hopefully, you'll both be at your best. Some of us think we're great because we can hold our anger in. Let me tell you a little secret. That is not a good thing. It's just as destructive in the long run as a person who blows up at everybody. A pastor wrote this, and I thought it was interesting. He said, I was working with a couple in counseling, we'd been making some progress. But on certain topics, the man would just shut down, especially if it was a bit argumentative. He wouldn't talk to his wife, and they would go home, and he wouldn't talk to her for days, sometimes weeks. And he was surprised. He was very surprised to learn that his silent treatment, by the way, learned from his own father, was just as deadly to his marriage statistically as if he had screamed at his wife. He thought he was helping his marriage, but he was doing just the opposite. Now, no form of unresolved anger honors God, none. We need to deal with our anger. We need to deal with it quickly. And where there was a violation or at least a perceived violation, we need to admit it. And then we need to ask ourselves, why am I angry? Why am I still carrying this feeling and this weight and this anchor on my shoulders? And begin to work through that anger toward a positive change. Look, the sun is setting. Use your anger for good. Deal with it quickly. A- and-, and oh, yes, learn to let it go. Sometimes it's just not worth holding on to it any longer. Sometimes it's just not worth holding on to it any longer. Hey, some things are more trouble than they're worth. Maybe it's time for you to cut the line. Maybe it's time for you to let the other person off the hook. Maybe it's time to release that offender to God and let him deal with it. I don't know where you are or what you need. That's an area where our faith gives us a distinct advantage over unbelievers. Listen, hear me carefully. We don't have to settle every account on our own because God will settle accounts. Of course what we're talking about here you know uh, it's coming the dreaded F word forgiveness when it comes to living as the church in, in the body of Christ here on earth Ephesians 4 verse 32 says it it's one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture and here's what it says Paul's writing and he says be kind And compassionate to one another. And he's certainly addressing the Christians. Forgiving each other. Here's the clincher. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. We need to show each other some kindness. We need to show each other not some compassion, but a lot of comp- compassion. I mean, the kind of kindness and compassion that we'd like to receive ourselves. Hmm. And we just might if we practice this verse. We need to forgive each other. Why? Because in Christ, God forgave us. In Christ, God forgave us. I can forgive, and you can forgive, Christian, because you're forgiven. Oh, oh, the sun is setting. Christians, of all people, should lead the way in forgiveness. This is not a light matter. Some do, and I'm so happy to report that. The date was June 17th, 2015. Dylan Roof entered a Bible study group at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Even though he was white, he was received with a warm welcome from the all-black congregation. When the group got together, closed its eyes in prayer, and was going to lift up petitions to God, Roof pulled out a gun, murdered nine people, and injured several others. At his bail hearing a few days later, listen to this. Some of the surviving relatives expressed efforts to work through their anger and offered that killer genuine forgiveness and prayer for this hate-filled white supremacist. Amazing, amazing. And then a story that gripped the nation. It's the story of Renee Napier who lost her beautiful 20-year-old daughter Megan to a drunk driver. Yeah, Eric Smallridge was advised by his lawyer, his attorney, to show absolutely no emotion in the courtroom. Bad advice. The jury did not like his demeanor and they did not like his apparent lack of remorse. And quickly they found him guilty of vehicular homicide. The judge in that case, likewise, threw the book at him. I mean, yes, an 18-year sentence as a strong message to other people. But before he was locked up, Renee told him, that's the mother, that she had forgiven him. And her family members eventually followed suit. And she then began towing her daughter's car to area high schools and speaking out against drunk driving. But Renee says she realized from the beginning of that uh, experience that, that something was missing. So she lobbied prison authorities and eventually lobbied the governor of her state, Florida, and got permission for Eric Smallridge to accompany her Eric, standing before a student body in his bright orange prison uniform and bound in shackles, spoke to those young people of the dangers of drunk driving. And Renee then shared the freeing power of forgiveness. In a news interview later, Renee Napier said this, and I quote, I could hate Eric Smallridge. Forever. That's not going to bring Megan back. When it comes to forgiveness, she said, I want you to hear this. When it comes to forgiveness, it just doesn't feel like it's the right thing to do. It doesn't feel like this is what I should do. It doesn't match what I'm feeling on the inside. Sometimes that's right, but it is still the right thing thing to do. You see we live in a world where there's a lot of pain, a lot of heartache and I want to promote Renee said love and forgiveness and try to break if I can that cycle of hatred end of quote end of quote but not end of story because it doesn't end there. Rene went on to further appeal to Eric, Smallridge's parole boards, and eventually she gained his release after he had served about half his sentence. Christian singer and songwriter Matthew West wrote a song based on Renee's story. It's entitled, Forgiveness. In the song, he borrowed a line from pastor, author Louis B. Smeeds, who said, and I quote, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. God designed us to forgive. God didn't design us to nurse our anger forever, whatever brought it on. Can you imagine if this kind of forgiveness and repentance were the, the norm in Christianity and in Christians in our church and other churches and in our community and not just the exception? Can you imagine? How about you? Are you a hothead? Or are you the silent type that stews on it forever and ever on the inside? Well, let me just tell you, neither one is good, you know. Both are very damaging. Both grieve the Holy Spirit. Both give the devil a foothold. So how about yielding your anger to God? And my friends, the next time your anger meter is about to blow a gasket, how about just slowing down, getting a hold of yourself, and talking to God? You could say something like, God, I know where I am right now, but I don't know why I am so red hot With this rage right now i don't know why i've let it get to this point i don't even know why i'm angry why am i so upset and god how can i use this strong emotion to honor your name and to grow your kingdom how can i use my anger for your righteous purpose god you know folks that's a prayer very much worth praying as we seek to pour cold water on our hot anger, let's all do it. And oh yes, let's pray, cause the sun is setting. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you wired us with such strong emotions. We don't. We don't uh, apologize for that, and. We don't think that that was something wrong put in us. We know that emotions are real. But help us not to deny them, but to learn from them. Help us to turn to you in our hot moments and in our times of anger to gain your help in using our anger for good instead of evil, for your kingdom instead of the devil's work and for the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray, amen.